Let's pray together and then let's share together. Jesus, thank you so much that you have called us by name. Thank you that you know everything about us. You know the numbers of hair on our heads. You desire and invite us into relationship with you. And so, God, this evening we say yes. We say yes to your invitation. And we say yes to all that you have for us, God. Amen. Amen. Well, let's continue the, the journey, the invitation, the invitation that Jesus invites us into relationship with him, first and foremost, but also it's the invitation that we're inviting us as a church, those of us who are here present, those of us who are watching online as we speak or later in the week and uh, other people within our community. We are inviting you simply to journey. What does it look like? What does church life look like in the future, both now and in the future? Because right now we're rewriting how we do things. For the last year, we've been completely out of sorts. We've been functioning trying to fulfill the Great Commission to go and make disciples. And we've been doing that through a myriad of different ways and uh, different methods. And as we come out, we're also beginning to explore and look at other ways that we can do that. We're delighted that this environment is available to us and that many of us are gathering and choosing to gather this way. What we're doing is we're trying to explore what is it that makes us us? What is it makes, I guess, our theology, our understanding of the Bible... And what is it that God is inviting and leading us into within the future? So we've looked at a number of things. We've looked at uh, that we are people of his presence. We've talked about community, worship, the Holy Spirit. And I want to continue the, the theme of the Holy Spirit by talking about the kingdom. The kingdom is hardwired into the DNA of who we are. It's this notion, this concept, this vision, this thing called the kingdom which Jesus brought with him uh, from heaven to earth. And that's what we want to unpack and explore tonight. And uh, to some of you, this will be old ground. You'll be like, yes, I've uh, been there. I've got the T-shirt. I went to the Vineyard Conference 30 years ago. Paul heard it from Wimbo himself. And then for some of you, you're going to be like, oh, my goodness, this is brand new stuff. Oh, my goodness, this is really revelationary. And, uh, and hopefully for, there'll be something for all. But hopefully through it as well, Jesus will be inviting you, be tapping you on the shoulder and saying, that's you. That's you. That's what I'm inviting you into because he's good and because he's kind and because he loves us and because he loves a broken, hurting world. And so Jesus, many years ago, steps from the security and the, the relationship with the Father from heaven, literally is born of a Virgin Mary and comes to earth. The kingdom has come. God's heavenly kingdom has come to earth through the person of Jesus. We read in Mark's gospel 1, uh, 14 and 15, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. 
And so Jesus, at the age of 30, he begins this crusade. He begins ushering in, establishing and bringing this concept, this notion, this idea, this reality of the kingdom. And he does, does that through his words, and he does that through his works, and he does it through his wonders. With Jesus' arrival, the kingdom of God was breaking into our world, and with it, everything changed. You might have heard, if you've been around us any time, uh, we use this phrase sometimes, when Jesus shows up, everything changes. And it's so true. When he enters into our lives or into our situation, when he steps from heaven to earth, everything changes. I've been banging on about this brilliant program called The Chosen. Has anyone started watching it since I've been evangelizing it? Good, there's three, four, five, six of you, even Sergi started. What Sergi said to me before, oh yeah, I started watching that Chosen. He goes, yeah, it's actually quite good. I'm like, are you flipping for real, mate? It's incredible, you dummy. Stop watching those other useless programs and watch something of substance, man. So anyway, um, season two, episode four was released last Sunday, and I watched it, I think, on Monday. And it described, it, it shows the healing of the man at Bethesda. Many of you will know what that story is very briefly. is a man who is a paraplegic. He had no, um, no power and the legs down, and he just couldn't walk. And he lay beside the pool. This pool was a pagan kind of a thing where, where the waters would be stirred. There, there was said to be healing properties. And he was a desperate man and longed to walk and longed to be healed. And uh, it just shows you this. It's just brilliant. You've got to watch it for yourself. It is just amazing. And, and Jesus has this interaction with the man. And you know the story. The man gets up, takes his mat, and he walks. But it's Peter's words afterwards that I love. Peter says to the man, uh, maybe it's probably not in the book. I haven't checked. So many things happen in the program. I'm like, is that actually in the book? Or is that poetic license? You know how it goes. But Peter says to him, says, now everything changes. Everything for you now changes. This is a man who'd been living his life in such a way, but because the kingdom had come through the wonder and through the power of miraculous healing, everything for the man had changed. Within the vineyard, we look at the scriptures from both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And we try and grapple with uh, and try and determine and guide our theology. The word theology simply means the study of God. Sometimes I think we can get a bit hit up by fancy words. I've got a couple of other fancy words coming. Be prepared. But sometimes it's not just about fancy words. It's about understanding what those fancy words mean. Theology simply means the study of God. And, and if we want to study the scriptures, both Old Testament and New Testament, we need to think, what is it? What's so important? And our, our theology centers around knowing Jesus. It centers around becoming like Jesus. And if we want to know Jesus and become like Jesus and do the things that Jesus did, we have to understand what he meant by the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom? Well, to understand that, we need to understand what is a kingdom. We can understand that simply now, in the here and now, in that it's a place governed with power, authority, rule or reign by a king or a queen. And so to a certain degree, uh, the, 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 the nation or nations, I need to be careful here, <laughs> we have a king and we, we don't have a king, we have a queen. And, um, and, and she has a degree of authority. Oh, can I answer it? 
This is Serge's phone. Can I answer it? Oh, please, let me talk to the person. No. Oh, please. It's a junk call. It's a junk call. It's a, someone ringing you, man. It's the Queen. An MBE is coming your way, Sergi. She's heard of your fame. So when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, what does he mean? Well, it's not limited to a place, a country, a city. The kingdom of God is a dynamic reign of God over heaven and earth, all things visible and invisible. The ancient Jews themselves, they had a theology for this. It was The kingdom is what they had expected. An accepted theological reality was something that someday the Messiah would come and bring with him God's heavenly rule and reign on earth. And they were looking for a king that would come and actually do something very different to what Jesus, who is, was, is the Messiah, actually did. And so back to the book. One day Jesus of Nazareth, a carpenter's son, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born to a virgin Mary, steps into a synagogue in Nazareth. And he begins to read this well-known passage. It's in Luke 4, 17 to 21. He stood up to read. He's in the synagogue and he reads from the scroll. Prophet Isaiah was given to him. And he reads, it's in Isaiah 61. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today, this scripture, this scripture in the prophet Isaiah. He spoke of it for the future. But today, here on earth, these words are fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus is saying, I'm the guy you've been looking for. I'm the guy that you've been praying for. I am the king, and the kingdom has come through me, through my words, through my works, and through my wonders. And so he proclaimed, it says there in the words, he came to proclaim good news to the poor, this new kingdom. So through his words, he describes and brings and ushers in the kingdom. He has come to set the oppressed free. Through his actions or through his works, he demonstrates God's heavenly kingdom on earth. And he has come to recover the sight of the blind. And he demonstrates time and time and time again the wonders of the kingdom. And so to recap so far, Jesus the King ushers in the kingdom through words, through works, and wonders. And all of the time, he's demonstrating it to his disciples. He's teaching his disciples. Again, going back to the chosen last episode, what I love about it is he says, he invites Peter and John and Matthew. He says to Peter and John, this is, uh, this is spoiler alert, he says to them, go get Matthew, it's going to be really good for him. And he deliberately brings them as recruits, as little ones, as apprentices. Come with me. I'm going to show you. You're going to see this with your very eyes. And you're going to hear the words. You're going to see me interact with this man. And you're going to go do likewise. Because everything that Jesus was doing, he's modeling it, giving it away the whole time. 
And that's why in his prayer, the Lord's Prayer as we know it, he prays those words. He taught us to pray, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So we in the vineyard, we proclaim through words, we act through works, and we pray wonders for the kingdom of God to come here on earth. And so we've experienced this in three ways just this week as a church. Just last week, a number of folks emailed me, texted me, or, or let me know somehow how the words of what we shared, especially as we prayed last week, made a kingdom impact in your life. How it just resonated with something in your spirit. It, was just, it just felt like God was doing something through that moment, through those words. For one of you, it confirmed what you'd, you'd had a dream during the week, a prophetic dream, and it nearly confirmed some of the things that you've been dreaming about. So God's kingdom was released through words. Several people within our community this week will have received a hot meal from us on Friday. That is the kingdom coming demonstrated through works. And I'm sure many of you will have done many, many unseen and unknown things, uh, only just between you and another person but also before the Lord. And that is God's kingdom coming through works. And then also we heard during the week there was a, a lady who was prayed for by a member of their family who received a degree of healing in, the, in their sore shoulder. And that's the wonders, that's the miraculous of God. Just through ordinary folks, through our church, the kingdom is coming, the kingdom is advancing. Let me explain going to use a couple of fancy words here. Jesus' life and ministry comes. It's God's future coming in the here and now. And he brought that. He taught his disciples to go do the same. And he's teaching us to be doing it the same now. And we use this theological term called inaugurated eschatology. Don't get hung up. Here's the simple man's version of what that simply means. Inaugurated simply means ushered in. Or let's put it even simpler than that, brought. So when Jesus came, he inaugurated, he brought it with him. He ushered it in and brought the kingdom here, up in the heavenly realms, here on earth. And eschatology simply means the end, means the end of the world. And Jesus often spoke eschatologically. There's a mouthful. Is it even a word? He often talked about the future rule and reign. When Jesus comes again, and again, again, which he will come again, and he often forecasts what the future would actually look like. And in that future, there would be no sickness. There would be no pain. There would be no cancer. There would be no death. There would be no falling out with each other. There would be no hardship. There would be no debt. There'd be no strife or whatever. In those times, all of that stuff will be done and dusted. But he is saying this inaugurated eschatology, this ushered in, in end time stuff coming here and now. Heaven's resources right now. I hope this is making sense. If it's not, I'm sorry. I'll talk to you later. However, what it does do is it leads us to a little bit of a T-junction. It leads us really to a question. If what I'm saying is true, why is there still suffering? Why do people still get sick and die? Why do people still fall out with each other? 
Here in the vineyard, we would use a, a really helpful phrase. The kingdom has come now and not yet. So the kingdom has come now and not yet. What does it mean? Well, now, when someone is liberated, uh, uh, set free from things that have held them back, uh, could be uh, through all kinds of things. It could be uh, re receiving a degree of healing of their mind, of their emotions or their physical feeling. The kingdom has come now. If someone uh, is a person who's in debt, out of work, house is repossessed, if they're helped by the church, by CAP, by food banks, by other people, they're empowered to move out of their position of debt into a sense of freedom and standing on their own two feet, etc., etc. The kingdom is released into their lives and into their world. However, the kingdom doesn't always come in the way that we would want it to or pray it for. When Jesus ushered the kingdom and brought freedom to some, not all pain, sickness, and suffering went away. And so the person who might be uh, struggling with all kinds of illness doesn't always get healed. Going back again uh, to the episode, I'm sorry, I'm not banging on, I don't have shares in, the, in them, I promise you. But the, the thing that struck me the most is Jesus enters into the pool and he spots and he looks around and he sees the one out of many who were sick, many who were laying beside the pool and he knew the one that he was to have an encounter with and he goes to the one and he brings healing to this man and then afterwards turns and leaves the rest. And that really startled me. That was like, oh, my goodness me. When Judas gets annoyed of uh, the supposedly waste of pure nard, the year's wages, you remember that one? Uh, the lady that, that, that poured the alabaster jar of this, of this perfume over Jesus before he went to the cross. Judas gets upset about it. He's like, all that money we could have used to help other people. And Jesus like, you don't really care about that. And anyway, by the way, you're always going to have the poor with you. He's saying that still, even though people get free, you're still always going to have those that don't. The question is, what does this look like? What does this mean? It means that when we pray for the sick, they don't always get healed. When we journey alongside the addict, they don't always get free. And this is what we call the dynamic tension that we live between the radical middle. On the one hand, we rejoice and we give thanks and praise to God when he does the miracle, where he hears the prayers of our hearts and someone gets set free and we see it and we're just like, yes, Lord. And yet we grieve alongside those that continue to suffer and those who perhaps don't get answer to the prayers that they're praying. It's the dynamic tension of what we live between. It's the now and the not yet. So here's the invitation. Every single week, we, uh, we throw it out. We literally just throw it out. Here's the invitation. What is it that God is inviting us into? What are we inviting you into? A couple of things. Firstly, there's an invitation to experience the kingdom of God for yourself tonight. And we want to invite you to receive as we have done each week. And we're going to do that again. In a moment, I'm going to ask us to stand. We're going to pray. So where it hurts or where it's not quite right in your bodies, we're going to pray for it tonight. And we're going to ask the king, 
to see if he'll bring the kingdom to you tonight. And we're just going to step out. We're going to give it a go. God has heard our prayers many times before. If you don't ask, you're not going to get. And then the second is this, that Jesus is inviting you to be a kingdom-carrying person. Remember when Jesus sent out the 12. Remember when he sent out the 72. He gave them power and authority to do the stuff, the kingdom stuff that he had showed them, that he had taught them. And the disciples, they come back and they say, Jesus, they tell him all these stories. Even the demons flee in your name. It's like they got to do the stuff and he's inviting you to do the stuff. If only you would step out and have a go. If only you would obey the, the still small voice when he leads you into that place and someone's limping beside you and you're like, oh, Flip, I know, God, you're kind of calling me to, you know, pray for them. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we bottle it. But God is leading us into a place where we get to go make disciples. Remember, that's our vision. Remember, that's what God has called us to. Will you be a kingdom-carrying person? What is it in your hand? What has God entrusted you with? Where is he sending you to? Uh, I was chatting to someone just in the week. Um, some of you might know this. Some of you might not. Uh, I've been going back to school, uh, not to get an education, uh, but to teach a little. Well, that's a loose word. I go there and look after children. I teach a bit too. And um, when I'm there... It is more than teaching. I just, I just know that it's like I bring the kingdom with me. I just know that. I know the interactions that I have with people. The kingdom is coming. It's the same wherever you go. Whoever you go to, you carry the kingdom with you. End with these verses, and then we're going to pray. Again, Jesus said, this is after the resurrection Jesus says to his disciples, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus says to his disciples, peace be with you. Jesus says to his disciples, I am sending you. Jesus said, receive the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Let's stand together.